All right, we're glad to have you here. We're still looking at what Satan can do to human beings. We want you to turn, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. It was a full house and a happy house today. We had a lot of visitors, and the visitors that I got to talk to felt loved and welcomed, so thank you. Thank you very much. I will tell you that I bragged about you constantly. Whether I was working with Navy vets, or I was working with shepherds, or I was working with house churches, or the like. One of the questions uh, that when I met with some shepherds on a week ago Monday, was they said, what, you know, when people walk in, it's kind of closed. How do we open it up? And I, it, it comes right out. I said, well, come to Fourth Avenue and watch. Uh, we greet, we love, we look at people. So um, I, I brag about you because I love you. Thank you for being a church that makes me so happy that it's Sunday morning, except this morning, because I'm still on a little bit of time drag <laughs> And the alarm goes off just before 7 o'clock, and it feels like just before 5 o'clock. And, I, and I'm going, rah, rah, rah. anyway, but I, I got better. There is a progression in, in 2 Peter, and there I am in 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, that I want you just to know exists. We'll go through it very briefly. Starting off, there were some false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. When he says false, does he mean that they've got a different idea about the Lord's Supper or about baptism or about how to organize a church? No, he'll define it. He defines it. They, br they bring in destructive heresies. That's a splitting. They do things to split churches. Heresy means a divider or divisive issues. They, they secretly introduce them, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's a false teacher. Somebody who denies the truth and the creeds we've been looking at, primarily Jesus being the Savior. That's coming, Peter says. By the way, just as an aside, there are a lot of scholars who do not believe Peter wrote Second Peter. The earliest Christians felt so strongly that he did that they put the book in. So I, I don't have any problem using Second Peter. But if you study, if you're one of those who likes to dig deep, you will find that. If you ever want to talk about it, you please come talk to me. We'll sit down, and I'll tell you why I think he did read. And we need to get a microphone to our doc. I didn't even see you there a while ago. Jeff, could you get this mic, and make, we'll make sure it's live, all right? And it is live. I heard it. Thank you. And take that to, uh, to Albert. Now, what else? They deny Jesus. Many will follow their depraved conduct. Remember this. It's not that they have a different stand on some doctrine except for the deity of Jesus. It is their behavior that makes them false. We've talked about this before. David Koresh has his little group that he just builds up, builds up, builds up. Pretty soon what happens? Illicit sex, underage sex, power, money, and what happens with uh, Joseph Smith? He makes his own religion, ends up marrying, sometimes secret marriage, so that he could 
have sex with men's wives without the men knowing that he did. Uh, it was, there's depraved Brigham Young, we gotta go there too, sorry, but it, it's just true. What about uh, Jim Jones, who took his group to Guyana? What happens? They start with saying, I know the truth. They split off from the others, destructive heresies. They become the authority, not Jesus. One of the reasons I use self-deprecating uh, humor and talk to you about my struggles is because it terrifies me that anybody might come here because I'm here. I want people to come here because Jesus is here. Amen. That's huge because I can't always be here and one day God will erase me. And that, I'm smiling because that's not a bad thing, people. It's not. Therefore, Jesus reigns. But what do they do? Split off people, they become the authority, and then the depraved behavior begins. Sometimes it starts depraved, but it, it ends up getting there. In their greed, all right, that's, um, that's another thing. They want the money. They want the power. These teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Now, um, one of the reasons that some scholars think somebody else wrote this is because this sounds like it's talking about Gnosticism. And their stand is that Gnosticism wasn't that well developed when Peter lived. I disagree. Absolutely. I believe there were proto-Gnostical um, uh, things going on heavily. And Gnosticism believed that salva uh, salvation comes from knowledge, not from Jesus. It is an immensely complicated uh, set of beliefs that we group under Gnosticism. But they would fabricate all of these different levels of angels, right? Dr. Lemus, please, go. Uh, in fact, that's the reason Paul wrote Colossians, is over Gnosticism. I, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but I'm going to go back and look. Absolutely. But uh, the, the interesting thing here, the Greek structure of these first few verses is unlike nearly anything else in the Bible. It's this subtlety. In fact, their minds were... They were, they were, they, they, he, they stole their minds. The idea here is subtly, how, how subtly, and you're right. These men you named, he took over their minds. They could think no longer, and, and, and the deceit is not just an intellectual thing, but it becomes emotionally and a spiritual thing. So they were really, they really lost their minds toward that. And this is a strange text right here in Second Peter 2. It, it really is, um, and we have absolutely, and please chime in, because I don't do the Greek, so chime in. Um, I want you to think of Leah uh, Remini, is that her name? Uh, she did, if you have not seen this, you really have to see this. She has uh, done two series on Scientology. She grew up in it, she was a champion of it, just like Tom Cruise still is, uh, and uh, John Travolta still is, but she, unlayered and you see power, greed, sex, rape you should call it, all, uh, imprisonment, all of this. And she's done two big specials. I, if I understand correctly, she's got something else in the hopper. Uh, and she, you can follow her on Twitter as well. Amazing work that she's doing. Uh, they're condemnate, uh, they, the fabricated stories like with Scientology that all of the problems you have come because you got that, your ancestors picked them up in the Thedans off another planet and it all, and it's just, you know, when you make up, when you follow a religion made up by a very strange science fiction writer, 
you might want to check if the turtle's in the bowl. You get what I mean? Check to see if your basics are solid. Um, goes further. He says, God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell. Uh, Tartarus, empty place, burning place, what would you say? There's no English word to describe okay. this, so it's just a transliteration. Okay. And it's yeah. a holding cell, in my judgment, where a great number of angels who, in the celestial realm, rivaled God, and they were, they were because of the nature of his holiness, it could not tolerate a dual will. And when a dual will emerged in the celestial realm, it had to be removed. This places Satan in the garden. And also a number of his angels as emissaries, but it seems the majority of them are consigned in something like a dark cave waiting until the final judgment. All right, so that would explain Jude Absolutely, Jude says that, that's right. Uh -huh. Okay, Jude 6, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Okay. And, That's, the sad, wanted... and the saddest thing is that angels who sin could never, could yeah. never repent because they could not die. Yeah. And so but, they were, their eternity was sealed forever. Yeah, they have, there's no, no plan of redemption, no scheme That's of correct. redemption or plan of salvation for them. Wow. Okay. Uh, he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and several others. And he goes on by saying, if he condemned these, if he condemned these, and if he can, which he did, if he rescued Lot, verse 9, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Now, can we all agree that he's not talking about somebody who disagrees about, let's say, church organization? Um, he's not talking about people that disagree about what kind of worship we're going to have. He's talking about really bad people. That's right. Really bad people. And you ought to be able to watch them and see this in their lives. It goes further. Bold and arrogant, they're not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. People, I see this a lot in what passes for comedy. Stand-up comedians. You know, Bill Maher is not a stand-up comedian. But the things he says about God makes me cringe and wonder. Amen. Have you crossed a line you can never come back from? Have you gone after the Holy Spirit? Um, you know, it's terrifying. Uh, absolutely terrifying. Heaping abuse on things you do not understand. Well, even angels don't do that, he says. Look at verse 12. But these people blaspheme, that means to speak ill of, in matters they do not understand. They are like, and here's one that just chills me. They're unlike unreasoning animals, or I believe the um. The King James was brute beast. Brute beasts. Mm -hmm. Creatures of instinct born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. Think about this. God says you can get to the point where you're no higher and no better than just a brute beast in the wild. You have traded away the image of God. Amen. The devil wants that. And so he pushes it. Uh, 
I'm struggling here. And, and let me just tell you why I'm struggling. Because when you try to use illustrations of this, it can make you sound like a, we're good and those people are really, really bad. And I'm trying not to do that. When people sleep with whomever, wherever, hook up whenever, wherever, they have traded away the image of God. They're, they are like a dog, stray dogs. I, in Detroit, uh, I never actually saw them, but the newspapers and TV would talk about them. In the deserted neighborhoods, you'd have packs of dogs that were causing issues. And I'm thinking, you know, packs of human beings can cause more because they have intelligence plus depravity. And yet anytime you say this, people will leap and say, well, you're not being Christian. And this week I said, you know, we need to remember that when Hollywood stars chime in on politics, they don't know much about politics. They earn their living acting like they're other people under the direction of other people, and yet people look at them as authority. One lady in one church is so upset at me over this. She has sent me, I think, three messages so far. They have the right to speak. And I'm going, everybody has a right to speak. You know, but I got a three-year-old. I'll listen to him all day long, but I'm not going to pay attention to his take on politics because he's three. And you should not listen to my take on politics. How often do I give it? Never. How about economics? Nope. Why? Because this is a place for Jesus. And I stay in my lane. Um, but we look out at the world, and the world is getting worse. The law of entropy is working with spirituality. It's getting better in so many ways. I put that in my article uh, this month. But people are trying to do it without God. And there's a consequence. Eyes full of adultery in verse uh, 14. They never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They're experts in greed and accursed brood. Verse 17, they're like springs without water, mist driven by a storm. In other words, you go, you're thirsty, and you get there, and they don't got anything. It's false hope. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. How terrifying is that verse? I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I try to make sure everybody knows that. However, I read this verse, and even as a saved child of God, covered by grace, that verse terrifies me. And I wonder, is anything mastering me? Because it's a process. It starts. It doesn't come over you all at once. Do you have anything you want to say about this progression? Or I, I, even, I mean, looked at the last verse where it talks about you're like a pig running back to the mud. You're like a dog eating its own vomit. Yeah, it's in the Bible. So had these, had these been believers, you think that he's really... Well, obviously that's an excellent so. question. He says, if you, you know... Hmm. I'm if thinking you want, about... If he wants to do the way and, and to have turned from it, the latter end is worse than the beginning. Yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to... I, let me tell you where I'm split here, brother, and you can, you can straighten me out, you can sharpen me. I think your answer may be yes and no, I think maybe no about the charlatans, but yes about the people they're leading astray. That's right. Is that that's okay? Correct. That's correct. Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Thank you. And he was trying to preserve them. He was trying to preserve those ones. Yes. What's that? 
Oh, you have a question? Well, then why are you up there? Oh, because his girlfriend's there. Got it. And she does this. Yes. We have a question from on high. Okay. All right. I'll need to repeat this for those that listen online. The question is, um, you often hear it say, and in fact, Dr. Lemons has said it, that God cannot be in the presence of evil. Well, then what about Satan coming in and out and Job? I'll do my take and I'm going to hand it over. I don't believe Satan's fall was an event. I believe it was a process. But what That you is correct. And, and the difference is that in that celestial realm, there was nothing but spirit. In this realm, there's flesh and spirit in each one of us. And so this is why in God's, pro, in God's forbearance, he didn't zap us, I'll use that term, when we sin, like he took care of the angels when they sinned. And so in his forbearance, he provided a, Jesus to come down the road. So anything that, that, was, that was saved or, or put in right standing with him before Jesus died, it was like paying for a debt with a credit card. The check was written on Calvary. There, you there go. were many provisions made along the way in his forbearance. He chose to, even with our sin. And I think it's because we have his DNA and angels didn't. Mm -hmm. um, okay. That accounts for his willingness to, to be, uh, to, in other words, he gives us an edge over the fallen angels. But there's a lot more to be said about that, but that's enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, look at 1 Peter 5. I'm just going to go to verse 8. Um, be alert. Um, I, yes. He asked if the fall of Satan was a gradual sort of thing. Was the fall of man a gradual sort of thing? I say absolutely. I believe that uh, Satan formed a relationship with Adam and Eve over time and led them to this. It was the way we tell the story. We often compress it because the Jews don't expand their story. They tell a story to make a point. And so. Um, we, you know, we see Adam, then Eve, then the fall. But I believe that being pristine human beings, it, it would have taken quite a while to form that relationship and then to bring them to the tree. May I make another illustration there? Oh, yeah. The day on which he rested was the seventh day. Now, it's, it's thousands of years later when he sanctified it. But there are some of our religious friends who think that he sanctified it the same day that he rested. It only happened to be the same day of the week. And there's a great difference. And if you don't understand, if you don't, I call that chronography. I maybe invented that word. But if you don't factor that time element in there, you have a lot of problems. You're allowed to wordify if you want to. I, <laughs> Thank you. I use a lot of interesting wordage that I wordificated as well. So First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Um, keep, as, as my son will text me every now and then, keep your head on a swivel and pray with your eyes open when he hears of something that I, he wants me to. Or one of my friends in law enforcement might do the same thing. Um, Jeff Cooper, Colonel Jeff Cooper, who's, um, I, I think he believed in God, 
but he could be quite the, the hard character. Uh, really wrote the book on modern gunfighting with pistols. Uh, and it's, uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. But he said people walk around in condition white, yellow, or red. White, they're not paying attention. He says that is almost everybody. Red is panic, terrified. He says that's not acceptable. Yellow is what, in other words, you have an alert. You're walking, but you're looking. You're thinking. You're paying attention. I taught my kids, never enter a room unless you are certain you can get out and know how to. And some people go, oh, you're paranoid. No, I'm alive. I'm alive. That's different from being paranoid. Watch what you're walking into. Know what's happening. Um, if you're uncomfortable, get out. The idea of keeping your head on a swivel. Be alert and of sober mind. And I would, I would tell you this. Every time I've thought about how would Satan come at, for example, 4th Avenue, I've gotten it wrong. Confessing to you right now, I have never been able to, ah, I saw that coming. He always comes in a different place. Therefore, I think the whole community has to be alert. Yes. Not just one. We all, and we have to listen to each other. Uh, they, the people in the prayer ministry every now and then give us a prayer report. This is what they're hearing, feeling, thinking. I've never been in a church where you got a prayer report before. I was thinking, uh-oh, are they checking my prayers? You know, you know needs improvement. Um, I never get a check on plays well with others. Never. Anyway, uh, there is a, um, I've, I've heard a lot of sermons about this verse where it says stay with the group because lions do go after the one that's not paying attention, uh, that is away from the herd a bit. You, I don't know if you know this or not. Lions, most of the time the hunting is done by the females. It's not true that they always do it. But lions are pouncers. They are not chasers. They don't chase long. If you've got an animal that runs away, a gazelle, antelope, whatever, I'm, I'm not sure what the names are of them on the savannah, but if they run enough, the lion quits. Now, that's not true of, let's say, a cheetah. You know, they're, they, they've got a little bit more. Um, the lion just wants to pounce. Stay with the group. And you can go to YouTube and find some examples of a lion trying to get something and the other animals fighting them off. Um, stay with the group. It's just, I've had people so often that will say, well, we don't like our church. Well, find a church that you are going to stay in it could be your church doesn't like you either. Go, you know, so you're a match. Uh, just work it out. In um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26, Christians, believers, can be held captive by Satan. So don't mess with this idea that says, well, we're Christians now, the devil can't mess with us. He's the lion and he's not done hunting. In 2 Corinthians 11 verses 3 and 4, Christians can receive another spirit. It, it got to be everywhere, ubiquitous, and I think it got diluted by that, and people tired of it and moved on like any other fad. The WWJD, what would Jesus do? I, I would submit to you that that's a really good question to ask anyway. But make sure when you answer it, you answer it about the real Jesus in the Gospels, not the false 
always sweet holding a baby lamb, Jesus, we created. If you read in the Gospels, these are words used by, primarily in Mark. He can get angry, aggravated, um, upset, exasperated, and he can say some harsh things. You might want to look at the Olivet Discourse in Matthew. He can say some harsh things, and he can. He does not ever lose his temper. When he went in and cleared out the temple, he was still measured. It took him time to make the whip. You don't do that in a frenzy of temper. And when he went in, there's no indication he hit anybody. He drove out the cattle. You can get your cattle later. He overturned the tables of the money changers. You can pick that up later. But he told the people with the birds to pick up their birds and go, because you can't get them back. So in other words, he, this wasn't mindless anger. It was directed anger. So when we ask what would Jesus do, don't try to make him Gandhi. By the way, Gandhi wasn't Gandhi. If you read the books and know his history. I've talked a lot. What you, what you got for in us? In Mark 6, when he came to the temple the night, late in the evening to survey things, he saw what the condition was, and he went back to the home of his friends. And I'm confident that it's while he was there that 12, 49, and 50 of John says that not only did God tell him what to say, but how to say it. And he goes back the next day, next morning, and it's when he then does this. So he, he talked to his father the night before, and his father told him not only what to say or to do, but how and what to do. We, and not only that, but 2 Corinthians 11.3, as, as Paul said, as, as Satan deceived Eve through subtlety, so your mind should be turned from the, in Christ Jesus. See, that's the same thing back in 2 Peter 2. That subtlety, that's an interesting issue. It, it really is. And like I said to Tim a while ago, it's a process. Some of you may not have ever heard of this. I have run across several occasions in my preaching life where adultery started with a Bible study. You want to talk about subtle? You start to talk to them about Jesus now, but then you have this connection, and now you have this really connection with them that you don't have at home. And all of a sudden... The number two read, now this is way out of date. This is like 20 years out of date. But the only time I ever saw why preachers leave, not Church of Christ preachers, I think they were just looking at Protestant preachers. And uh, number one was, um, was finances and conf or I think it was shared, conflict with leadership. Uh, so this number two would really be number three, if you're counting it right, is adultery. Well, why? Because what you see here is not what Cammy sees. You know, Cammy sees the real Patrick. It's easy to hide on a stage, isn't it? To be shiny and great on a stage. That's um, one, of the, one of our dear ladies asked, she said, well, you're such a loner. Why are you inviting all these people on a cruise with you? Won't that be hard for you? And I didn't say no, because my door locks and you um, can't get in. My response was, because I love these people, I can be with these people. And we talked about how that would work. We need to, um, we need to always be in each other's lives so we can see what that person cannot see, the subtlety of Satan. Um, I could go further, but I'm afraid that if I did, I might hit something which some of you might think I'm, you know who I'm talking about. This is off-site. I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of sin and adultery started in worship. 
got to be careful, real careful. Uh, I don't know the man at all, but Mike Pence's laws concerning being in a room with a woman make a lot of sense to me. They really do. And it's not like women are lined up to get some of this. It's just, it's just safe. There, I don't know that there is a need to laugh. Um, <laughs> Satan pounces. Therefore, let's just not get around the lions. Let's stay back from them. All right. Uh, last one on this um, I've got down here is Satan can land attacks against Christians in, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, and verses 7 through 9. Now, we've got a little bit of time, and I want to, uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to, to walk through it with me. The law, the biblical law on the occult is found in three books and four passages. I'm going to start with out of order, completely out of order. In 1 Corinthians, it's the only one in the New Testament that, I'm, that I refer to as the law on uh, the occult. 1 Corinthians, and this is probably very timely. Uh, let me say that I have zero issues with kids going trick-or-treating, dressing up. I, I love that. I really do. That's fun. And I don't care if you say, that started with pagans. A lot of things did. They're ours now. But when I pass a house where it's all death and tombstones and skeletons and I'm going, my first thought is, where do you keep that the rest of the year? Why did you put money into this? Uh, and I can remember my son when he was little, we took him trick-or-treating Morgantown, West Virginia is where we lived. Uh, go Mountaineers, they won yesterday. They, uh, they know how to do trick-or-treating. They love kids coming by. There, there was one scary house, my, my son said. But he asked me to, to go trick-or-treating. I was going to go with him anyway to stand back. And he said, just, you know, you, you put a light on him because I had a flashlight. He said, if somebody scary comes up, you put a light on him. Well, I actually had to once because this guy was walking around trying to scare the kids. I just put my flashlight on him. He stared at me. I stared at him. After a while, he walked away. My son thought that I had repelled the enemy. Uh, and so I was quite, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, you know, yes, I put light upon him. Uh, there's a little metaphysical thing there. there. It's all right to play trick-or-treat and sweet little costumes. I remember when every little girl was frozen, Olga, somebody. But don't mess with the occult. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 10, 18 through 22. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifice participate in the altar? Do I mean then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he. And then we go to Deuteronomy. You want to say anything while I'm heading up? Okay. I want to keep looking up because sometimes, Albert, I don't see you because these are for here. And so when I put them on, you're just a really pretty fuzz. All right. So uh, you may have to make noise. Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
By the way, the doctor now is saying that he can make bifocals for me with readers. I'm going, that's really helpful. Um, first, uh, Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, does this not just apply to the Jews? Are we not entering a land God has given us? We're here too, all right? Do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcrafts or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Wow, there's a lot of meat on that bone, isn't there? Don't imitate the world. Two, don't sacrifice your son or daughter to the fire. You might be thinking, I, I would never do that. Well, there was actually a sacrifice to the fire where they burned babies. But we do live in a nation which almost split this week. It did split in many ways over the fear that we might stop people killing babies. If you backtrack the objections that were given, and again, I don't do politics. You do what you want to do with politics. If you look at the objections, when you start with everyone, you know, I'm, I could name names, I don't want to. On the panel that was, that was um, opposing him, they, in their remarks, brought up abortion. We can kill babies to the God of choice, the God of convenience, the God of not now. But there's more. We can sacrifice our sons and daughters by deciding to be a taxi service for them and a, and a buffet rather than their parents. So that we take them to this thing, that thing, this thing, that thing. They come home, they get on their iPad or computer, or they, um, they, they mainly use the phone. We're not raising them. What are we doing? Well, we want them to be involved. We want them to be well socialized. I'm going to submit to you the world's pretty bad at socializing children. I think you need to. With us, we were, we were pretty tight parents. We had a rule. You have church and one other activity. You know, Kara was swimming. Duncan was not interested. <laughs> oh, yeah, he eventually went to karate. Um, and did that. You know, we have size 15 feet. You can kick whatever you want to. Anyway, we can come back and look at this, but in Deuteronomy 12, verse 31, much shorter, 1231. Patrick cannot turn pages today. You must not worship. Uh, hang on. Okay. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughter in a fire as sacrifices to their gods. And then one other, just one verse of it I'll read. Leviticus 18. used to be able to hear Bible passages and pages turning all around. Now people are looking at their phones. Uh, Leviticus 18, 21. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, who we start talking about next week, by the way. Um, where am I? Oh, and for you must not profane the Lord, the name of your God, I am the Lord. Don't allow you know some people will just they're terrified that their child will not fit in 
don't want them to fit in. I can't remember the exact phraseology, but there's a bumper sticker and you see a quotation every often, but something like well-mannered women rarely make history. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is, does anybody, can you sharpen that quote for me? Well, the fact is, people who get along with everybody almost never change history, do they? It's, and I'm not saying be a jerk. I've been a jerk. If you know, need to up your jerkitude, I can help you. I don't want to be a jerk. It's just, uh, just I'm, it's my gift. Um, we need to be the people that say, let's look at that story again. Let's look at where that's going and lead people to righteousness rather than act like the world. Remember it, I've said it several times in this class, the world is better at evangelizing us than we are at evangelizing them. My time is up, and I've read my, the four passages, but I want to let you have the final word. In the last verses of Second Peter, uh, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom God had given him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in, in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to his own, their own destruction. I think this tells us that Peter wrote the book, uh, the books of Peter. <laughs> Paul, it, he, he, he talks about Paul's letter. He writes things that are hard to understand. <laughs> Thank you, I, sir. And, and I would agree. I would agree. Thank you. Next week we start looking at the others, the named demons in scripture. Have a great week.